remember me? Didn't you learn last time that you can't beat me? Yeah, I did. And then I learned something else. This. Oh! That bullet is laced with an encrypted nanobotic virus that will disintegrate your Morty in about, uh, 20 minutes. You think I'd give a I know you give a dummy, because I know I don't. Here's another thing I know. The decryption key that neutralizes the virus, you want it? Come and get it. Merge with me and you'll know how to save him. <laughs> Come on, man. I've been trapped in your pussy brain for 70 years of delusions, but this is the all-time weakest bluff that I've ever... <laughs> Jesus Christ! What are you doing? He's cutting your time in half. Ten minutes. What is your problem? Oh, I had all my problems removed. My entitlement, my narcissism, my crippling loneliness, my irrational attachments. They must be somewhere. They ain't over here, bro. I'm not going back in there. Honestly, I don't care either way. I hate having you in me. And when I say honestly, you can believe it because we both know I'm too healthy to lie. Watch. All right, knock it off. You're not impressing anyone. Morty, not that I give a but are you okay? Jesus Christ, it hurts. Relax, quit your bitching. You're gonna be fine. Grandpa's here. <laughs> you think that's funny? You gotta have a sense of humor about these things. Oh wait, you can't. You're literally incapable of seeing the bigger picture. I guess it's just funny because you've never done anything but complain about me being in charge, but if I ever gave you the wheel, we'd be dead in five minutes. Oh, Rick. You poor, dumb, sick animal. Welcome to Welcome to Storybrook. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this is Season 6, Episode 4. Strange Case. Alright, so we had another difference of opinion on this one. I was in and out whole episode. I really enjoyed this episode. It might be that I liked the lesson of this episode. Make sure you murder the right person. I mean, that is always a good lesson. But, you know, sometimes the person who needs to be murdered isn't who you thought. Mm. So, this is the last Jekyll episode. Sadly. Sadly, this is the last Jekyll episode. Or rather, sadly, this is the last Hyde episode. Yes. He was not in this show for very long. No, five episodes, if you count the last season's finale, and then we're on episode four. What's really strange is, last week we talked about how this season has been more of a monster of the week, story of the week, fairy tale of the week show. Mm -hmm. More like it was during season one. And this episode, Strange Case, would have made sense as a one-shot episode, but instead they introduced Hyde five episodes ago. He isn't the big bad you're expecting him to be, which in other shows it would have been a really large twist to introduce someone as the main big bad for a season and then have them die four episodes in. I mean, to be fair, they introduced him as the little bad to the evil queen's big bad. The evil queen was always going to be the big bad. True. The episode opens with Rumpel having a significant haircut. This is a trope uh, you don't see applied very often to men. It's true. Yeah, he's trying to fix a pocket watch and then he gets really irritated and goes off Felicity on himself and just chops off his hair. It's fine. I mean, I think his longer hair looks better, but... Oh, his longer hair definitely looks better. I think I, I have to think the actor was tired of wearing a wig. Yeah. The evil queen walks into a room holding a jeweled apple. A jeweled apple, which is his, because he takes it back at the end of the scene. So it's just something he was selling in his pawn shop. And she was like, oh, good, a prop, a prop for my evil voice. And she tells him he cleans up nicely, which, eh. eh. 
But she tells him that the haircut highlights his eyes. Also, eh. But then Hyde comes in. Let me tell you, I'm kind of shipping Hyde and the Evil Queen this episode. No, they work so well. And I mean, I was all for it at the end of the last episode when they literally walk off arm in arm into the evil set. Yes. Oh, such an evil power couple. So Hyde says he needs a cameo necklace that Gold has. And he just takes it. He says he's going to take it and there's nothing Gold can do about it. And then Gold starts to force choke him and he acts as though he's choking and then he just laughs. He's like, ha ha, your force choking is useless on me. And he starts laughing and Regina start laughing. Yes, the two of them are so amused at how he's immune from the force choking. This is big evil laughter too. Yes, they do a great harmonious evil laugh. Rumple's like, what's going on? Why isn't he dying? And the evil queen says, oh, sweetie, oh, sweetie. It's not so simple killing a duplicate. Yes, they can't be killed because of their doppelganger nature. That is apparently why the evil queen is still around, despite having her heart crushed by Regina. Mm. And then they tell Rumple that he can go fuck himself. They're going to take the necklace. Now, there is lots of stuff Rumple could do to stop them, like non-deadly turning people into trees stuff, but... Yeah, I guess he could just physically stop them. We know that's a possibility. There are options that aren't murder. Although they'd have to find a way to circumvent the evil queen's magic. Mm. Turn her into a tree first. There you go. Hyde mentions that they're going to go off and find Belle, and Rumpel says that they had a deal. And the evil queen's like, ah, 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 you had a deal with me, not with him. We did this, like, remember when we did the whole Count of Monte Cristo thing? You can use a third party to get around this sort of contract. Honestly, it's negligent on gold's part that he didn't build that into his deal with the evil queen seriously deals are your thing dude you should be on on top of this sort of thing exactly so david is making emma fifty thousand pancakes there is not a lot of protein in this meal yeah we're in emma's house and david is making her a lot of breakfast And he explains that the reason he's making her so much breakfast is because now that Hook is moving in, she won't want her parents randomly dropping by, so he has to make her all of the breakfast now. Have you seen the TV show Review? No. No, I have not. There's an amazing episode of Review called Pancakes Divorce Pancakes. Yes, it's amazing. And, as you know, the the concept of review is that he reviews life experiences. Yeah, and you told me about the one where he reviews racism. Yes. Well, in Pancakes Divorce Pancakes, he gets a request to find out what it's like to eat 25 pancakes at one sitting. And, um, you know what, I'm just going to say it's an amazing episode of Review. You should seek it out and watch it. And that's all I, and all I can think of is the torture that andy daly is going through trying to eat all of those pancakes while emma sits there with the pancakes in front of her because henry comes down from upstairs henry wasn't here for this yeah henry wasn't there when david was making breakfast and he's like what is happening it's kind of i mean no one's staying around to eat it but everyone is showing up now Emma tells David that he will always be welcome to make them breakfast, but not for, like, another month because of all of the pancakes. Even though pancakes don't keep. No. No. And Henry comes down, he's like, so, Grandma, 
because Snow is also there. She remembered she had a baby and she's there. She's holding baby Neil. Well, the baby Wrangler remembered that there was a baby and handed it to Mary Margaret to hold during this scene. Yes. So Henry comes downstairs and he's like, so grandma, you're going to be teaching me still, even though you were teaching me in elementary school. So are you even qualified to teach high school? But whatever. Spoiler alert, she's not. And Mary Margaret you know, hurls her baby at David as she flees out the door to go try to teach bored high schoolers about physics. Okay, so theoretically she is teaching about physics because we see her lecturing about Newtonian laws of physics, but she also says before she goes into the classroom to her teacher's aide, we'll get to that, but she says, do you know how to build a birdhouse? So she's going to still do the bird molesting lesson? Okay, there were other teachers at the school at some point, right? I mean, were there other high schoolers? Did the curse exclude teenagers? Is this school properly accredited? I have some questions. She does have an in with the mayor. Sort of. Yeah, the mayor's sleeping with her daughter. And also is her stepmother. Mm. This show's weird. So, Mary Margaret tosses the baby to David and exits just in time for regina and jekyll to show up because hyde has escaped yes they know hyde escaped because dr jekyll was working in the lab late one night and the cameo necklace that hyde took from mr gold showed up in his lab it belonged to a woman that jekyll was once fond of and definitely didn't throw out a window and mentioning this woman mary to the charmings throws Jekyll into a flashback. So is this or is this not? This isn't the land of untold stories, right? This This is is not the land of untold stories. He gets tossed to the land of untold stories at the end of this episode. And in fact, the title card, which we did not mention, but the image on the title card this week was Big Ben. And I think that was specifically so that we knew that this story, Jekyll and Hyde's story, takes place in whatever... I was going to say whatever fictional Victorian London Peter Pan took place in, but that took place in our world because Neil was there. Yeah. What the fuck, Once Upon a Time? Uh, I think this is also sort of steampunk-esque. I feel like because they talk a lot about science running things, so I feel like this might be a different universe than the, say, place Cruella de Vil came from. But a similar kind of pocket universe. Yeah. Okay. It's it's the land of steampunk. Everyone's got gears in their hats. Okay. Okay. So Jekyll is talking to his lady friend, Mary. Explicitly not a romantic lady friend, just a friend who is a lady. Yes. She is bringing her father by so that Jekyll can tell him about his serum. Her father, King Doctor of yeah. the Doctor's Guild. Yes, exactly. Her father feigns interest in the serum, which, of course, separates your good part from your evil part. And we learn that Jekyll works with criminals, and that's why he's going to use this on them. And Dr. King, King of the Doctors, realizes that Mary has brought him down here so that he can use the Academy of Sciences funds and reputations to further his experiments. And he's like, nope. (laughs) hard pass yeah he just he he turns him down and then nopes out of there good for him yeah good for him and uh jekyll is is displeased he throws a little hissy fit which involves throwing the serum into the fire and i'm like dude 
How long did it take you to distill that much serum? You're only hurting yourself. Plus, this is fake Victorian England. How expensive are those glass beakers? Fuck this one beaker in particular. <laughs> well, Mr. Gold hears the sound of man, what? of man hissy fits. I smell man pain. Yeah. Although, this certain whiny breed of man pain that attracts Rumpelstiltskin. Exactly. That's why he's always hanging around David. That tracks, t- that tracks for me. He shows up and he tells Jekyll that he is particularly interested in the serum, so he wants Jekyll to finish it off. We're not going to be told this until the end of the episode, but he wants to separate the Dark One from the part of him that cares about Belle so that Belle can never kiss him and make him good. It's not a surprise. That's clearly what he wants, so... I'm yes. just, I feel, I feel no guilt about spoiling that right now. Jekyll is, by the way, just rolling with the fact that there's some demon-faced dude hanging out in his apartment out of nowhere. Which definitely indicates that this is probably some steampunk universe that's a splinter universe and not actual Victorian England. Yes. Rumpel says that all his potion needs is a little magic zhuzhing up and he, you know, waves his hand over it, which is, I guess, just how we do magic now, so. He says that all science requires a little magic, which is not accurate, but okay. Hmm. Dr. Jekyll just gulps down the potion, which, like, maybe, maybe do some trials first there, dude, but. I I think that in this Victorian Splinter universe, that's just how you test shit. (laughs) In the present, Hook is on his boat with Belle. Getting ready to move out. His moving boxes are treasure chests. I know, it's amazing. He's so committed to his aesthetic. Speaking of being committed to his aesthetic, since Belle's going to be staying on the ship, he wants her to be able to get in touch with him if she's in trouble. So he gives her a conch shell, which is what mermaids use. She can just call into the conch shell and it will make the one that he wears as a necklace ring so he'll know to come help her. You both have cell phones. Right? Just give the lady a cell phone. I mean, Hook has one. Why doesn't Belle? I'm sure she does. Hook just doesn't want to give out his number, I guess. Hook probably doesn't know his number. That would that makes sense with what we've seen with the cell phone before. To quote him, I just push the Emma button and sometimes she answers. God, that's depressing. So Rumpel's like, hey, Belle, I got a new haircut and also the evil queen in Hyde might be coming to kill you. You want to go hang out at my place and watch a movie? And Belle's like, no, no, we're not together anymore. I don't need your help either. And he's like, okay, fine. I'm just going to cast a spell that's going to seal you in the ship then so that you don't get hurt. Bye. He casts a spell that's going to lock the evil queen and hide out and lock Belle in. And dude. That is super shitty. And Belle's like, you're literally treating me like a literal object. I am not a literal object. And Rumpel's like, you're welcome. By the way, do remember that. Belle is super pissed at being treated like an object. So at the high school, uh, Mary Margaret's all, ooh, this is just like I remember it. And then Henry starts making out with his teen girlfriend. And she's like, oh, accept that. Yes, Violet, who's still there, you will recall. Violet from Camelot. And Mary Margaret, pulling a season one back in the curse, bumps into someone. Someone whose identity is not revealed to us yet. Can we say who it is? Sharon? It's Princess Izzy from uh, Gallivant, who has come because, sadly, her much better show has been canceled. Right? Oh. Honestly, when we get to the musical episode of Once Upon a Time, 
we're going to need to just binge watch all of Gallivant afterwards to recover, I think. They have one of the singers from Gallivant in their show, and they don't use her in the musical episode. Oh my god, the musical episode of Once Upon a Time. You know what I am excited about, though, for the musical episode of Once Upon a Time? Talking about Regina's dance number. Talking about Regina's dance number, but also... You have thus far not let me inflict Regina's dance number on our poor, poor listeners, despite the fact that I love it in a terrible way. I am excited, though, because you will have no rational reason to prevent me from having that be our outro song. That's an accurate statement. If if we if you want to hurt our listeners, why don't we just play the Beauty and the Beast rap cover from the Descendants? I wanted to do that. You wouldn't let me do that either. Because I love you guys and I'm trying to protect you. But if you would like to hear us talk about The Descendants, uh, you could always donate to our Patreon. It is one of our stretch goals, and we really want to talk about it. There's a rap cover of Be Our Guest. Oh my god, it's amazing. If there, if uh, amazing has a secret secondary meaning, in which it means something that makes you want to die, then yes, it is amazing. I mean, there is, right? And let's be clear, Descendants isn't good the way zombies z-o-m-b-i-e-s is good which is legit genuinely surprisingly good i mean compared to the descendants yes i enjoyed zombies on a more genuine level i'm sorry i enjoyed z-o-m-b-i-e-s exclamation mark because it's about zombies and cheerleaders so it's supposed to be like a cheer like z-o-m i'm not gonna do the rest of it okay it 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 is literally romeo and juliet but with cheerleaders and zombies instead of capulets and montagues it's amazing and it's got implications like a lot of these disney original movies it has implications that the text is not willing to explore yes i do i'm just gonna have to say this about zombies which is that my coworker was complaining about her teenage child making her watch it several times. And out of my mouth was, oh, that sounds terrible. And in my head was, I can't wait to get home and watch this movie with Max. I mean, you were in love with it from like the opening clip. I was. I am. I just, it's funny when you work with normal people and you have to pretend to be normal for like eight hours a day. You and I have different work experiences. Right. I am famous for knowing too much about horrible pop culture stuff, including the Disney sequels. Well, people know that about me, but they themselves don't have enough horrible pop culture knowledge to understand the depth of my horrible pop culture knowledge, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I have more plugged in people at my work. I I was going to say younger people, but I don't strictly think that's true. I, no, I think the people you work with are younger. Also, people at my work are like, oh, you're a nerd, so you like like the Marvel movies, right? And I'm like, I mean, that's just scratching the surface. How long do you have? It's like, they're, they're calling you basic. That is... You're right. That is the nerd equivalent of basic. Anyway. So Snow crashes into Princess Izzy, who is, of course, Princess Jasmine. Yeah, this is a twist at the end of the episode, but I have a very hard time imagining. No, I don't even have a very hard time imagining. We were watching this show when this came out. It's in the ads and stuff. It's true. It is in the ads that uh, that she was playing Princess Jasmine. I mean, we're assuming. We don't really watch the ads for this show. We no, should... no, it definitely was. 
or or if it wasn't in the ads, it was announced via the new, you know, via EW and whatever. That, we knew through the promotional stuff. Right. Um, and the very, very first scene of this season is Aladdin. But if you had forgotten that, which I would not blame you because if you're not obsessed with the show and watching it, you know, intricately like we are. Hell, you... if you were just watching it when it was coming out and not binging it. Right. It's very easy to forget that the opening sequence was Aladdin. And other than the outside promotional materials, the intro scene in episode one of this season, and the fact that this is a Middle Eastern actress, hmm. there's no reason to assume that it's Jasmine. But it is. But it is. Uh, so are we going to be calling her Jasmine? Or are we yeah, gonna... Let's call her Jasmine. Yeah. So Jasmine's like, hey, I'm, my name is not Jasmine. Sheeran. And I'm from the land of untold stories, but I've decided to work here as your assistant since you're apparently running the school and also the only teacher. Well, I mean, there are other teachers, I assume. We know that she was going to... Wait, she was going to strong arm Frankenstein into being a teacher, but she's teaching physics. Also, he's the only doctor in town. You know what? Let's just go with it. Let's just go with it. So, in... I guess this is Jekyll and Frankenstein's lab, although Frankenstein's not here because, of course, David Anders had better things to do. Yeah, he did. He's like, I'll show up for five minutes, but, like, I've got iZombie, and also I'm... Let's be clear here, I'm too good for this show now, so... Yes. So, it's Jekyll's lab, essentially, now. And Emma gets a call from Hook while she's in Jekyll's lab from the cell phone that Hook has... And he lets her know that Rumple showed up and trapped Belle on the ship. Also that the Evil Queen and Hyde are coming for Belle. So they decide that they better take action. She has the dwarves stay to guard Jekyll while she and David, you know, go out and be people of action. Specifically Grumpy. Uh, it's implied that the other dwarves are around, but we only really see Grumpy. Grumpy and Doc. Anyway, the two of them are going to protect Jekyll, and Jekyll's like, great, protect me from being hungry and go get me a sandwich from Granny's. Ugh, the worst. Right? Clue number one, that Jekyll is the worst. Although, to be fair, I mean, not to be fair, he's being a dick here, but also the dwarves aren't going to be able to do shit to stop anyone from doing whatever. Spoiler for later in this episode. I mean, when you're dealing with people who have magic, you need other people with magic to stop them. That's an accurate statement. In the past, Rumpelstiltskin escorts Mr. Hyde into a party being thrown at Dr. King's house. It's the science ball. Yes. King Doctor, the Dr. King is throwing a science ball. Yes. And we also see the origin of Mr. Hyde's name, which is that... He is all of the things about Jekyll that he wanted to hide, which is not a bad literary analysis of the name from the novel. So whatever, it's fine. Should we have watched the uh, Stephen Moffat uh, Jekyll and Hyde show to prepare for this season slash episode? No, it's terrible. But... The thing that makes Doctor, uh, the thing that makes Hyde Hyde and gives him his superpowers. Do you know this? No. It's love. Uh. It turns out that the in secret that the secret ingredient was love, and also he's telekinetic or something in that show. We could watch the movie with the guy from Wings that's not Stephen Weber. 
Dr. Jekyll and Ms. Hyde, where a modern-day Dr. Jekyll uses estrogen to make the serum more balanced, and his evil half is a woman. That doesn't sound like it would have some uncomfortable themes in it or anything. Well, it's from the 90s, you know, when everyone was super sensitive. Oh, God. Yeah, why don't we just watch that and then watch Ace Ventura Pet Detective? Oh, yeah. Okay, seriously, then we should watch Dr. Jekyll and Ms. Hyde now that you mentioned it. Yes. (laughs) So, uh, Mr. Hyde, so named because he can't walk around just calling himself Jekyll. Right, because he looks nothing like Jekyll. Which... We don't really get a good explanation for why this he's the only one who has that as a side effect. That's true. Also, as long as we're talking about that, can we talk about the scars real quick? Mm-hmm. He has he has a scar down the side of his face, and also his eyes are bloodshot in a way that indicates that they were previously injured. Like he received a cut that went across his eye or something. And when he looks at himself in the mirror and when he's examining the scars in the mirror... Rumpelstiltskin talks about Jekyll having these scars he wants to hide. And I understand, you know, metaphorically speaking, Hyde is the evil part of him. But what's with the physical manifestations of wounds? Especially because we saw last season in the season finale that when one of them is injured, like the cut across the cheek that they have, they both have that cut across the cheek. Hmm. So, Mr. Hyde... I guess opposite of Mr. Darcy's in, because he's being suave as all get out. Yeah, he is. Oh. And he goes right up to Mary, and he's like, Mary, the girl who uh, Dr. Jekyll is just friends with. Yeah, he says, you know, I've heard all about you from Jekyll. You must be Mary, and you're super hot. And he kisses her hand all suave, and damn, I'd give it up to him. Yeah. Spoiler for later in this episode. So King Doctor is like, Look, uh, if you're here to try to intimidate me into letting Dr. Jekyll into my academy, that's not going to happen. And Mr. Hyde's like, well, how about if instead of intimidation, I use blackmail and point out that I know that you're boning that young chick over there. And I tell everyone. We cut from that to the present, where Grumpy is grumpily delivering a sandwich to Dr. Jekyll. And he's like... This is a waste of my time. Do you know what dwarves do best? And Dr. Jekyll's like, mine. And Grump is like, that's very, very, that was, that was several seasons ago. Also, we missed it, but Grumpy actually referenced the fact that dwarves hatch out of eggs. Yeah, he says that he's been guarding since he was, he says he's been on guard since he was hatched. Which, inaccurate, but. Yes. Grumpy tells Dr. Jekyll that no, his job is to protect the realm, and he is good at it, and nobody can say otherwise. And then the evil queen walks in and waves at him, and he falls over. It's amazing. She does, like, a fancy parade wave at him, where she kind of scoops her hand down and out. I'm pretty sure that's the same hand gesture she used to make the Lost Boys fall asleep back in season two. Hmm. Mr. Hyde and the evil queen have shown up, and it turns out that the necklace that they left behind in the lab was also a tracking device so that they could track him, but they put it in the lab, and he's in the lab now. So the whole necklace rigmarole was unnecessary. It was so that they would know where Jekyll was, but he was exactly where they knew he would always be, in the lab. Yep. That's the situation. So we cut to Mary Margaret teaching her class, and... 
I'm going to talk over her trying to teach these kids because I have so many questions about this. Okay. First of all, why is she trying to educate all of these children as though they would have had the same level of education? She's teaching students who some are from Camelot, some are from the Land of Untold Stories, which means they're from all sorts of different realms with all sorts of different educational systems, and some of them have been in the curse, meaning they have at least one set of memories of a standard American education. This just seems unwise. Also, the school is just starting randomly. Like there, It feels like there should be steps in between Mary Margaret decides that she's going to open a school in one se- uh, in one episode and the school is open and running in the next. It seems like there should be steps between it's the first day of school and I'm teaching you the third law of Newtonian motion. What a weird place to jump in. Right? Maybe that's where she was on the curse day, but that doesn't help all of the students who are jumping in new. She was an elementary school teacher during the- I know, she was building birdhouses. I'm trying here. I'm trying to come up with some reason other than they want to do the fucking arrow shot at the end of this episode. Hmm. So Regina goes to talk to Rumple about the evil queen. And she makes the same comment about his haircut that the evil queen did, which is that it highlights his eyes. So, you know- We see that even though one is evil and one is good, they still think alike. And Regina talks about how they've got Jekyll working on a new serum that'll destroy Hyde for good, which I don't remember if we mentioned that last episode. So now Rumpel knows that, I guess. Yeah. What a short, odd scene. It's establishing that Regina is teaming up with Gold. So in the flashback, we see Jekyll wake up and find an academy pin because he has been admitted to the academy by the machinations of Mr. Hyde. And, and Rumple's there and Rumple's like, yeah, turns out Hyde's much better at the whole socializing thing than you are. Yeah, he's better at everything. So you know what? You should take the serum again and have him talk to Mary. Have him pass Mary a note between classes saying, do you like Jekyll? Yes, no, maybe. And Jekyll's like, I don't know about that. What if Hyde fucks Mary? And Rumpel starts choking Jekyll and he's like, look, you did, you pulled this off once, but once can be a coincidence. You need verifiable, repeatable. The experiment is only a success if it can be reproduced. Yeah. So you need to do this again. I don't give a shit what happens with you and your little girlfriend turn into Hyde. And we cut from that to the modern day with Gold and Regina coming across Jekyll, whose lab has been completely trashed by the evil queen and Hyde. It was thoroughly trashed. I don't think they needed to trash it that much. Well, they didn't want they didn't want Jekyll to be able to make more serum, so they smashed up all of the bottles. Mm. And Jekyll sees Gold come in and he confronts him. He's like, you never cared about me at all, did you? I was just a bet to you. That's what I was going to say. And Gold's like, no, I was very upfront about that. Do you not remember how I screamed at you that I don't care about what happens to you? I just wanted to see Mr. Hyde. And then Gold mocks him. He's like, I should have known that you couldn't do it since you split yourself in two. And the other half is the charming, handsome, smart successful half and then Jekyll's like well if he was so smart how come he doesn't know that I hid just a tiny drop of the serum and Rumpel's like fork it over and Regina grabs it and she's like nah nah we we're not doing this you keep stabbing people in the back we need a little insurance here 
And then Rumple decides he's going to get some insurance of his own and rips out Jekyll's heart. Which is all red. There is no darkness in that heart. Mm, yes, you, you put your finger on a thing that will raise some pretty serious issues later in this episode. Yeah, well, I mean, it just makes me wonder, like, what is good and evil? Mm. According to this show. It turns out defenestration's actually good. Uh, God really likes the word defenestration, so (laughs) it doesn't count as a sin if you do it. I guess. Rumple tells Regina that he knows that now that she's all good and shit, she won't... Stand back and let him murder an innocent man. So he makes her pour the potion onto his dagger... Which, I guess, presumably will make the dagger be able to stab Hyde? Is that the idea? I guess, yeah. Yeah, so now the dagger. The dagger, which is the only thing that can kill him and is his weakness, is also the weapon he will be using when fighting Hyde. See, this is just dumb, because he could have poured it on any dagger and kept that dagger locked up. I, I, I just, I don't know. So he tosses Virginia, uh, Jekyll's heart, and... All credit to the Foley guy, it makes a little sound when she catches it. I love how she, like, dives to catch it, letting us know that if the heart did hit the ground, it would probably shatter. (sighs) So we cut from that to Snow being bummed out that all of her students failed the test she gave them that day on the thing she just taught them. The thing that she taught them with, like, no context. Princess Jasmine is telling her that maybe it's because her teaching is so shitty. Like, maybe... Maybe she never learned how to teach. She was just going through curse motions. And maybe she shouldn't act the way that she was made to act under the curse. She tells her a story to illustrate her point. About a princess who definitely isn't her, who was in charge of saving a kingdom, and then she kind of fucked it up, and then everyone was screwed because, you know, she fucked it up. All credit to Snow White, though. Snow White clearly knows that she's talking about herself and is like, I'm sorry about that princess's loss, whoever she is. Back on the ship, Belle has a little bit of cabin fever because of the whole not being able to leave thing. Mm. And Hook says, why don't we just chill out and drink some rum? And she's like, I am pregnant, you walnut! So Jekyll shows up and he's like, hey, just a heads up, uh, Hyde and the Evil Queen are here to mur- are coming here to murder the shit out of you. So, you know, just, just giving you a warning before that happens. So you can be terrified when the moment comes. Right. Well, Hook decides to leave because Hook can leave. So Hook is going to leave and go find Emma. And Jekyll sits down and... He talks, he starts talking about, because when he sits down, he's like, your husband's the dark one. And Belle's like, oh shit, what did he do to you? And she's like, yeah, I'm sorry he hurt you. He hurts everyone because he's a dick. And Jekyll reveals that, that Rumpelstilts can cause the death of his lady love. And then we cut to that. Mary walking across a bridge. Uh, this a does br- not a fog covered bridge. A fog covered bridge. This does not go in the uh, Jack the Ripper esque direction one might think it would. Right, especially when Hyde shows up in a top hat. Mm. As I mentioned earlier in this episode, I think Hyde is 
Very charming. He is. He's like, hey, can I talk to you about maybe uh, boning some nerdy dudes? And she's like, I don't know. I think I'm more into boning tall, dark, handsome guys with super bloodshot eyes. Right? I mean, can't blame her. Oh my god, Jekyll is being his own wingman here. It's true. He's talking up Jekyll, but Mary's very clear. She's like, I like him a lot, but only as friends. I would never want to, you know, become romantic with him. Yeah, not like some other gentlemen I know. Well, she points out, she's like, Jekyll seems concerned about divorcing himself from the emotional, passionate part of life. And I need that emotion, passionness in someone I would take as a lover. I mean, that sounds right to me. Yeah. And Jekyll's like, oh, oh, uh. And if I may, for a moment, point out the parallels between Mary and Belle. Mary is not interested in a man with no beast. Mm. Mm. So, back in the present times, Emma and David are wandering through the woods looking for the evil queen and Hyde. And she's like, so, Dad, are you sure you're okay with me cohabiting with Hook? And David's like, well, I totally hated Hook when we first met, but now I'm super into him. And I'm like, really? You teamed up with him, like, immediately. Right? Yeah. Well, I think he just had his doubts about Hook and Emma. Hmm. Yeah. But before this conversation can get too boring, Hyde shows up and a fight scene ensues. Hyde shows up and pushes David really hard so he goes flying across the clearing. It's kind of amazing. Emma shoots him with the cattle prod, but it's not very effective. He's able to run away, but he unfortunately runs right into Rumpelstiltskin's dagger. And Rumpel... I love Hyde. I know we keep talking about how last episode I mentioned how cartoonish his facial expressions are. And I kind of want to clarify that here in cartoons, uh, cartoons allow you to have exaggerated emotion. Mm -hmm. And that's really what Hyde brings to it. When I say cartoonish, I mean, he brings every emotion to its logical extreme on his face. He seems like a melodrama actor. Yes, because Rumpel stabs him and he does a... (gasps) No, kidding, I'm fine. Yes, which he is. He talks about how he's he's amused that Jekyll thought that this would kill him, when, of course, Jekyll could never figure out how to kill him, because Jekyll has no heart. Also, God, I just, I love his fake dying face. Yes, which, by the way, this is the second time this episode he's gotten to do it. He also got to do it when Rumpel was trying to choke him out. So... I don't know if the serum would have worked. I suspect, based on what happens later in this episode, that the serum wouldn't have worked at all. Mm. But Hyde reveals that he knew there was hidden serum and swapped it out. Yes. Just so that he could have this moment with Rumpel, basically. (laughs) Like, there was no reason to do that. He could have just smashed that file, too. But he wanted to mock whoever tried to stab him. Plus, bonus, he has the dagger now. I have to think he couldn't have known Rumpel would be stupid enough to stab him with his control dagger yeah i mean honest to god really just a bonus at this point so he has rumple's control dagger and he instructs rumple to take the two of them to bell and rumple has no choice because you know control dagger 
Uh, not a great thing to own. So, meanwhile, Mary Margaret is starting a J-horror movie. Seriously, she has all of these kids in school uniforms, and she pulls out a bow and arrow and is like, All right, it's time for you little shits to learn a lesson. Hey, kids, I saw Battle Royale last night, and I got a great idea. So, actually, Snow White's gonna use the bow and arrow to teach about Newtonian physics, and yay. Last episode was her realizing, wait, I do want to be Mary Margaret, and this episode is her going back on her going back on not wanting to be Mary Margaret. You're right, that's literally what happened. Last episode, she realized that she was only happy when she was Mary Margaret, and this episode, she realized that she's a failure as Mary Margaret unless she acts like Snow White. Which was the revelation she had before when she's like, I need to stop being Mary Margaret and become Snow White again. You're both the same person, and that person sucks. Whatever, then we go to the Jolly Roger. So everyone is converging on the ship. Yes, Hyde and Rumple are standing outside of the Jolly Roger, and Rumple is trying to make a deal with Hyde. Well, he tells Hyde, you have the dagger now, but you won't always have the dagger, and if you hurt Belle, there's nowhere you can hide from me. <laughs> and Hyde tells him, I'm not the monster you need to be worried about. Uh, which is good because honestly, Rumple was just making a case for Hyde stabbing him and becoming the new Dark One. That would have been amazing. That would have been amazing. We go back to the flashback and we see Jekyll waking up in Mary's bed. So Mary's about to have like the worst case of rolling over and not recognizing the person you're sleeping next to ever. She absolutely does. She is freaked out. She is not happy to be waking up next to Jekyll. She's like, where's Hyde? What did you do with Hyde? And he's like, I sent him to talk to you. What happened between you two? And Jekyll tells her that he is Hyde. And Mary is super fast on the uptake. She's like, oh, you're fucking serum. And he gets really pissed off. He's like, I was supposed to have you. And she's like, that's... No, 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 that's not how human relations work. And they fight and they tussle and Mary gets accidentally defenestrated. Yeah, he tosses her straight out the window, except for uh, her cameo. Which he is holding on to when she goes flying out the window. So the Victorian police basically immediately show up. So he glugs down uh, the serum so that you know, his more competent half will be able to take care of this. But also so that it's Hyde who's running out of the house and not Jekyll. Mm. And Hyde is devastated because Hyde actually loved Mary and didn't just want to possess her the way Jekyll did. See, Jekyll is not just the good part of Hyde. He's the dispassionate part of Hyde. So I think he never really had the ability to feel love the way that Hyde does. Mm. So Hyde runs out of the room past King Doctor. Yep. Yep. And then we cut to the Jolly Roger, where Belle is making tea for Jekyll, who is talking about how much he loved Mary. And how he wished she was strong enough to resist him. To resist Hyde. Yes. And if she had, she would have been his. And Bella's like, oh, no, I am done with men treating women as objects. You are not a nice guy. You are a nice guy. And she immediately goes for the conch shell. And Jekyll's like, yeah, no, we're, we're not doing that. 
I'm going to kill you. And Belle is like super badass and he breaks the conch shell, but she grabs a piece of it and fucking stabs him. <laughs> uh, it's pretty great. And she she shouts into it as it's falling to call for to call for Hook cuz remember she can't leave the ship. But Thanks, she, Rumpel. Right? But she does run up to the deck and she sees Rumpel standing there and she's like, "Unlock the fucking ship, Rumpel." And Rumpel's like, I can't. This guy's got my control dagger. And Hyde's like, hi. And Bella's like, this is why you don't lock people inside, you dumbass. The asshole was coming from inside the house. Right? Anyway, Jekyll manages to stumble his way up onto the deck. And he monologues about how he's going to kill Belle because it's Rumpel's fault that the love of his life died. And God, I... Important lesson about men here, in my opinion. So, Hyde is totally cool with this because he also blames Rumple for Mary's death, which he shouldn't. He should blame Jekyll because Jekyll's the one who pushed her out the window, but... I think he's okay with whichever one of them ends up dead at the end of this, honestly. Mm. And it's going to be Jekyll because Hook shows up. Hook shows up and kicks him into a harpoon. That is what happens. All of those jokes I made about harpooning at the beginning of this season have now been justified. And as Jekyll is pinned, harpooned, on the deck of the ship, Hyde begins to bleed out. Because it turns out that that's how you kill a doppelganger. It's like uh, magic zombies. You kill the guy who created them and then all of the magic zombies go away. Regina shows up at just that moment and is like, oh good, you figured out how to kill doppelgangers. Neat. so so now we can kill the evil queen, right? Right? Why is everyone looking at me like that? <laughs> and Rumpel's like, yeah, in order to kill the doppelganger, and he points to the, you know, corpsey corpse of uh, Jekyll, gotta kill the original. Yep. Regina's not happy to receive this news. Yeah, understandable. Of course. I really like the outfit she's wearing under the leather jacket. She's got this, like, red dress with a thick black belt. I like the jacket as well. The leather jacket is black leather, but it's got uh, flower imprints on it, which I think is a nice nod to the softening of her nature without actually softening her look. Mm. So David brought a couple of his and his body bags so he can zip up Jekyll and Hyde at the same time. Yep. Uh, As David is zipping up the corpses, Regina goes over to Emma and she's like, hey, Emma, I might need you to kill me. So just keep that in your back pocket, okay? She's also upset because it turns out that when you split off your evil half, you still have the capacity for evil, and then you just have to keep splitting off your evil half, as I suggested she do at the beginning of this season. It's just evil halves all the way down. But Regina's like, what was the point of all of this pain we're going through now if I didn't even take away my ability to do shitty things? Emma's like, yeah, free will sucks, I guess. Look, I don't know what you want me to say here. (laughs) Yeah, free will's a bitch. Free will and also not free will, which is what Emma has right now. Emma's wearing a tan, uh, tannish, brownish leather jacket. Last episode, she was wearing a black one. She also has a red one. It's three different leather jackets. Last episode, she was wearing a black leather jacket and mentioned that she owns a red leather jacket. And this week, she's wearing a brown leather jacket. But we've also seen her wear a brown leather jacket that's different than this one. What I'm saying is, girl's leather jacket budget is large. She she made it sound like she only owned red leather jackets in an episode where she doesn't wear a red leather jacket. And then they follow it up with another episode where she's not wearing a red leather jacket. Yes, well, you know, 
this whole season is about Emma not really being herself. So I guess that makes sense. I'm, what I'm saying is we need four episodes in a row where she meets four different mentors and each one of them dies, thus giving her other emotionally significant leather jackets. Love it. Emma doesn't own a single piece of clothing that didn't come from someone dying dramatically in her arms. Sounds about right. Back in the flashback, Hyde is getting ready to run because, you know, everyone thinks he killed Mary. And Rumpel shows up to taunt him. Also, he realizes that Hyde loved Mary, which pisses him off because the whole point of him helping Jekyll in the first place was to take away his love for Belle. And since that's not even going to work, what are we wasting our time here for? In fact, he's so mad at Hyde that he throws him into the land of untold stories, which is how he got there at the beginning of this season. What a weird punishment. I know. It's very out of character for Rumpel. All it does is serve to get people into the place where we know they already were. Back in the meantime, Rumpel and Belle are having it out because Rumpel's like, uh, sorry I trapped you on the boat with the murderer. I was just trying to protect you. And she's like, you're trying to protect me. Almost got me and our son killed. Stop doing things. And he's like, well, see, when I first met Dr. Jekyll, I was trying to get the potion for myself. So that I wouldn't love you, but I realized that was a bad idea. And she's like, why are you telling me this? I don't need to know. No, I don't care. Leave me alone. This is a bad relationship. Yep. She tell. She also tells him that she has always seen exactly who he is, which we know. We know that Belle is drawn to the beast inside of Rumpel. And Rumpel has this awful speech about how, like, you been, you might be rejecting me now, but my baby's growing inside of you and you're going to need me. And now that a piece of me is in you, a piece of me will always be in you. Gross. You can never escape me. Goodbye. Gross. Yeah, it's pretty awful. Also implies that he's the only person who can protect her, which we know is not true. He almost <laughs> got her killed this week. Honestly, this was, he made a really good case for other people being able to protect her. Back in the classroom, Snow White gives Jasmine an apple and is like, it's a world without magic tradition that I don't partake in because I'm Snow fucking White. But she says for my own reasons, but Jasmine knows she's Snow White. She's like, I knew you even though I was in the land of untold stories, but your reputation spread even there, which Jasmine don't don't puff up Mary Margaret's ego any more than it already is. Right. And then Jasmine goes out into the woods and meets up with the Oracle that we met from way back at the beginning of this season. It feels so long ago. It was only three episodes ago. I know. It feels like forever ago. And, and the Oracle's like, it's nice to see you. I haven't been able to find Aladdin yet. Jasmine. I mean, I know we're we're mocking how obvious it is that she's Jasmine. But, but as I said earlier, there's nothing in this episode until this moment that indicates she's Jasmine. Yes. But, yeah. So... Uh, she hasn't found Aladdin yet, but she's sure that he's here, and this lady is Jasmine. So, that's the episode. Yes, next week is, next week's episode is called Street Rats, so guess if she finds him or not. Uh, I'm so excited. It's weird how every incarnation of Aladdin is sexy, except for the one they got for the upcoming movie. I mean, the one they got for the upcoming movie is fine. fine. But, like, have you seen Broadway's, the Aladdin they got for Broadway? Yes, I have. Like, seriously. Seriously. Like, seriously. Just hire the Broadway guy to be in the movie. I'm so excited for this movie, by the way. 
Are you excited for The Lion King? Okay, I wasn't until I saw the cast and I was like, wait, is that really the cast? Or is this a dream cast that somebody made a fake promotional poster for? Because that is a fucking dream cast and I'm excited now. Yeah, I mean, I'm not excited, but I'll I'll see it with you. I don't have any objection to seeing it. Donald Glover is Simba. Okay, that's pretty great. As long as it's not Matthew fucking Broderick. It's Donald Glover. Because... That ruined that ruined the Lion King for me. I can't watch the original Flavor Lion King anymore without seeing his creepy doll face looming out of the ether. Wait, so do you know? Did you see the cast of this of the new Lion King? No. Donald Glover is Simba. Beyonce is Nala. I know they got James Earl Jones back. James Earl Jones is back from Mufasa. Um, is John it... Oliver is Zazu. Oh my god, that's awesome! Wait, didn't they get what's his face? Billy on the street is Pumbaa. Billy Eichner? Yeah. Okay. Okay, that is... I will see it off the strength of its cast alone. I'm not seeing the new Dumbo movie. Me either. Who needs that? No, seriously. Who is that for? So, that'll about do it for this episode. Uh, for Fashion Corner, I really like what Jasmine's wearing. She's wear- It's a really lovely white outfit that has kind of a flowy... Uh, the top has a built-in flowy scarf bit. Yeah, it's it's very it's layers of white. It just looks so good on her. It really does. I'm glad you had something because the evil queen, gorgeous though she is, is wearing the same outfit that she wore last week that I gushed over. And Regina's outfit is good too, but it's it's a red dress with a black jacket over it. So yeah, it's 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 nice, but it's nothing super to write home about. And I guess that'll about cover it for this week. I guess that's it until next week. This show is partially listener supported. If you would like to be one of those supporters, you can head over to our website, ilovetelevisionzines.com, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, and Ryan. Uh, If you'd like to support us in other ways, you could always rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash ilovetelevisionzines. We can also be contacted at ilovetvzines on Twitter or at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybrooke. Y'all